1: Hey everyone, welcome to The Local Youth Worker, a podcast brought to you by Reformed Youth Ministries. I'm your host, John Parrott. This is episode 379, and I'm here with Scott Byrd. Scott, how's it going? Hey, it's going well. How are you? Doing well. It's, it's good to see you. Um, a little bit later, we will hear from Drew Hill as he talks about a new devotional series um, that's released through New Growth Press. Uh, everyone should check out. Um, it's the Alongside Devotional series. Uh, for teens, and so uh, excited to talk to him about that. Uh, We will also have Scotty Smith on uh, talking about insecurities of life and ministry, but I'm here right now with Scott. Um, Scott, a little pre-recording, we were talking about this special that um, RYM has partnered with Crossway on. If people get a crossway.org slash RYM40. There's a list of all sorts of titles um, that are discounted at 40% off and free shipping if people spend over $30. Uh, There's uh, about 50 titles or so in the categories of culture, apologetics, Bible study and prayer, dating and relationships, the church, the Christian life, And then there are also Bibles, uh, study Bibles, pocket Bibles. Uh, This special will be running through October 17th, which is approaching. So we want to encourage everyone to check that out. Scott, have you looked at any of those titles? Um, Have any of those been some that have been beneficial for your ministry?
2: Yeah, well, the... um... The Bibles have probably saved our church a couple hundred dollars because we <laughs> uh, we get our communicants uh, when they join the church, we, uh, we buy them a Bible and give that to them. And so I think we've got 20 20 communicants going through the class right now. So 40 uh, percent off of you know 20 study Bibles is is pretty significant. So, um, yeah, that yeah so that, that helped us out a lot there. Um, One of the books I saw on there was uh, Untangling Emotions by Alistair Groves and Winston Smith. Uh, I read that a couple of years ago with our staff, our youth staff. We read a book together um, and just discuss it during staff meetings. And um, anyway, I thought that one was excellent. I really enjoyed that.
1: Yeah, and I, I can remember seeing that one this summer, and that that was so that was on RWAM's um, book table at our conferences this summer, and that was one of our um, most sold books. Uh, I know it kept running out. We had to place more orders, and I kept thinking, okay, at the end of the summer, I'm going to try to pick up a copy, but we totally sold out, and then I think Crossway sold out of that book. Um, so it's one that I it's on my to read list, but I haven't gotten to to read it yet. And that's just again You're not you.
2: going to believe this. What's no, that? Kurt Cooper's not going to believe this <laughs> that you haven't read a book. Kurt, yeah. I've
1: just got to tell our listeners he, he gives way too much credit. He he makes it sound like I read every book of <laughs> this avid reader. I'm not. So yeah, Kurt's not here right now. So everybody don't listen to Kurt when he says those things. Um, but uh but no, that that's yeah, reminding our listeners the book title is Untangling Emotions by Alistair Groves and Winston T. Smith. They both are with CCEF, Christian Counseling and Educational Foundation. And that's uh, one of the many books that's discounted at 40% off right now. Um, I mean, Scott, we were talking, you know, John Piper's Don't Waste Your Life is on here. Kevin Young's The Hole in Our Holiness. Um, I mean, there, there's, yeah, Jen Wilkins has books on here. Jockel Crow, Susan Hunt, Kent Hughes, Ray Ortland, CJ Mahaney, just a ton of titles and um you know we want to continue to bring this up because it's only running for another week or so again i don't know exactly when this is going to air but it's going to be october 17th when the sale ends um so scott did you have another one in there you wanted to highlight
2: uh i mean you mentioned it the um don't waste your life by john piper that was that was pretty influential for me when i was in college, I kind of, I was doing engineering and it was uh, kicking my tail and I was, didn't know what I wanted to do with my life and knew it wasn't engineering. And so I read that and, um, it kind of moved me towards ministry. Uh, so it was, it was pretty influential for me. Um, and that's one that I'll recommend to students, you know, going off to college or maybe they're in college and don't know what to do with their life, just to kind of help, you know, set some, um, I guess some principles, kingdom principles for them, you know, moving forward.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and that's something, as I was mentioning Surviving Religion 101 a couple weeks ago, uh, just graduation gifts. So if people are listening to this right now, it's like, hey, go ahead and get a jump on those and get something that's 40% off now. Um, and then you talking about your church getting the, the Bibles. I mean, that's, yeah, save some money. Uh, if I mean, for me as a youth worker, I always had pocket Bibles in my office um, because if we ever had a visitor— I could you know, just hand them a Bible and say, hey, take this home, read it. Um, so I think it's always good to have some pocket Bibles handy, and I know pocket Bibles are on that list. So reminding everyone, uh, crossway.org slash RYM40 uh, to get 40% off on those books. Um, Scotty Smith is going to be talking about uh, insecurities of life and ministry next. He's actually going to come on in a few weeks to talk about who he was as a teenager, but I was also able to ask him a little bit about this. So he'll be be joining us, and then we'll hear from Drew a little more later. So here's Scotty. Well, I know um, you've been talking about insecurities uh, throughout this. Uh, There's another segment of this podcast where we we were talking to others about insecurities of life and ministry. And so what what are some of those early kind of fears and insecurities you wrestled with in, in ministry?
0: Yeah. Uh, without a doubt, no, those, uh, th- those, uh, those fears, those insecurities that were, um, deeply placed in my heart after mom died in through high school, they followed me in adult life. And I really didn't even begin to deeply understand or process them until age 50, 25 years into my marriage. But let me back up enough. So, um, I think what fears insecurities, uh, uh, really knowing how incompetent I was as I would compare myself to other people, I was smart enough in school to get by, smart enough to score well enough to get in my one university I applied to, but I never studied. I never read a whole book until I got to college. Never read from, you know, when book report time. When book report time came, I would invent books and authors and lie and write a book report. And and I just so so my limited knowledge base, the the fact that uh, I was never trained as a kid to fix anything. So I've got this inherent world. I was good enough athletically to get picked out of one to ten, maybe six or seven, you know. Uh, I should put that in reverse order maybe fourth or fifth so I'm competent but it's like uh, I I put I kind of put it like this um when I tell my story sometimes looking back especially in high school um and I can see myself in the framework of the movie The Wizard of Oz kind of as Oz just let me stay behind curtains uh you know I, I, I like to do things for you but just don't open the curtains let let me Enjoy the benefit of what I can do for you, but don't expect me to be with you. And definitely um, don't think you're easily going to access my heart, because I don't really know what's going on there either.
1: Hmm.
0: And so uh, you know, in, in ministry, a lot of my best preaching on grace, when I really became convinced of the theology of grace in scripture, was me talking out loud. If this is true, this changes everything. And I think a lot of people were able to hear the gospel in that fashion even as I was just crying out, Oh God, if this is true, make it true for me.
1: Mm -hmm. And and so you said uh, you were 50 or so, 25 years into your marriage when when you started to understand some of these insecurities. So so talk to us a little bit about that and what the Lord was kind of teaching you through that.
0: What he taught me was I'm like Jonah and he wasn't going to (laughs) turn me into well vomit, but he was (laughs) going to give me the gift of a burnout. And I think, um, uh, you know the the church that I went on to plant with friends in Franklin, Tennessee. It went through this explosive growth, just pretty much not nothing short of a revival. I mean, in, in the PCA, but we were preaching grace in a culture of legalism, performanceism, and and all kinds of voids. And the church grew from uh, like five couples to four thousand people in about seven or eight years. So I have no boundaries, have no sense I'm, I'm, have a very utilitarian self use so um that meant that you know, okay, sure, I preached four times a Sunday for eight years. you know, what else you're going to wow. do? I felt most secure opening the Bible, talking about Jesus, seeing how clearly the Bible is proclaiming this amazing grace and uh church grew, but you know, again, I did not have close friends, had wonderful acquaintances, and my wife was the one in our marriage those 25 years of who deeply loved Jesus and wanted to serve Jesus too. Though she would have never married me if she knew I was going to be a pastor, she was going to be a pastor's wife. But she began to grow in areas that soon became the invitation to me to either come alive to the love of the Father. And go through some healing and transformation, good counseling, or um, be lonely the rest of my life. So I chose to begin the journey of getting healthy. And I've been in that journey for 22 years now. So I'm 72 and uh, thankful that I'm I'm still not as free as the Father intends, but He is at work.
1: Mm, Amen to that. Well, how have these insecurities deepened your, your understanding of God's love for you?
0: Well, fortunately, through Spiritual father that I began walking with in seminary. When I finally felt free to go to seminary, lo and behold, I get dropped in my life the gift of Jack Miller as a spiritual father for 21 years, and he's living out before me with his wife Rose Marie, their own recovery from cynicism, burnout, and and ministry emptiness. So you know, I I got the most amazing opportunity. To begin to be called into this life of grace and faith. And um, you know, and uh I'll say this, however, Jack Miller went to heaven before I really found some of the freedom he prayed for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jack was so patient and kind, and I watched him, he he had more freedom, he was more set free from self-consciousness and comparison and fear of being found out. <clears throat> and it was through Jack I discovered um kind of really more what would be the um, specific answer to your question. I discovered the beauty of weakness that, you know, when the apostle Paul talks in second Corinthians about uh, far from, far from uh, marginalizing or hating our weakness, we learned to boast in our weakness. That is be honest about who we are because grace runs downhill. And, and as, as I began to see, my brokenness, and own it and understand it, and really believe the gospel took on not just my guilt, but my shame, that has been the beginning and the ongoing story of getting more freedom, but um really needed to see weakness, not as an adversary, but as an advocate.
1: Today, I welcome uh, Drew Hill to the podcast. Drew, good to have you.
3: Good to be here. Thanks so much for having me, John.
1: Yeah, it's good to see you. I know we've had a a phone call before, but to actually see your face through Zoom, get to to meet you through Zoom. Um, I know this is your first time on the podcast, so why don't you just tell our listeners where you're from, a little bit about your family?
3: Well, I am sitting in my office here at the Covenant School in Greensboro, North Carolina, um, where I serve as the head of school. It's a new role for me that I started in January after 20-plus years of youth ministry. Um, through the local church and through Young Life, and um, I am married to Natalie. We've been married for 18 years, and I have five kids. Um, Our oldest just became a teenager this summer, and her name's Honey, and then we have um, Hutch is in fourth grade, Macy Hart in first grade, and then we have identical twin boys who are 13 months old and running around everywhere as crazy as can be and we are in greensboro north carolina and have been here for 10 years after living in north in uh athens georgia colorado springs denver colorado and then back to north carolina where we grew up
1: all right yeah so moving around a little bit and i know you just said some of your children's names am i right that all of your children's names have an h name they do yeah honey okay. honey
3: hutch heart huddle and hobby Okay. No, that's correct. <laughs> so
1: yeah. what, where did that come from? Was that just something y'all intentionally did, or did it just kind of no, accidentally happen along the way?
3: We were, yeah, I was in seminary out at Denver Seminary in Colorado when Honey was born. And um, it was a surprise. Both Natalie and I were in seminary at the time. And we um we loved kind of our southern heritage, you know, being out in Colorado and people would hear our accents and be like, Oh, are y'all from the south? And so we wanted and when she was born, we wanted a really southern name. Um, and I also My only rule with our kids names was we had to know no other single person with our kids name Um, and which is a hard thing to do, Um, but. um, I convinced Natalie to let us name our daughter honey, which is like a very good southern name works well as a baby and as a grandmother, you know, (laughs) Um, but. um, Everybody out there just thought we were crazy for naming our kid honey but Honey's really mad right now because sadie robinson robertson huff who's from the duck dynasty tv show she's like right. got like millions of followers but she just named her baby honey and honey was like i was the only one that i knew yeah. and now this famous person so she liked being unique but yeah so after that my our first son his name's hutch he was one of my first kids in my youth group and uh, I named named our son after that kid and then the H names just kind of kept coming after after that so it was not intentional to begin with <laughs> it was really hard to find really unique H names that nobody else has <laughs> that still are like legit names but they all have meanings and and mm-hmm. significance behind it but like for our twins their names are huddle and Hobbs. and we call Hobbs hobby Um, but huddle was born in a year when there was a lot of division in our world, you know, and, um, we really wanted him to be, um, an instrument of unity, um, that, you know, like Jesus prayed that we might be one as he is one. And, um, and we wanted hobby to be an instrument of joy. And I've just spent a lot of my life working hard and not playing well. And, uh, and during COVID, I really learned to play and have hobbies again and, to bike ride and to spend time with friends. And I found so much joy and hobbies that I was like, I really want my son to live a life full of joy and not just working hard all the time. And so those are some of the meanings behind those two names.
1: That's awesome. I feel like we could have an entire podcast, just talking about your kids' names. (laughs) That's So, so cool to hear that. Um, And I know you did mention you now have a a teenager in the home. Um, You've been in youth ministry, I think you said 20 years or something on those lines how is it uh, now that you have a, a teenager in your house which again i'm i'm there as well with you
3: you know um i i wrote this book alongside um loving teenagers with the gospel back in 2017 and it came out in 2018 and at the time honey was you know like eight years old or something when i was writing it And, you know, I would always tell people I'm writing this book about parenting a teenager before I parent a teenager, because I know I'm I'm not going to feel like I have, uh, you know, what it takes to really write it afterwards. I got to get all this stuff down first before I've just messed up completely as a dad. (laughs) Thankfully, we are in a sweet spot right now. And um, I'm actually going on a date tonight with Honey. We're going to an off-Broadway show that's in our hometown and out to dinner together before. And she's got cross-country practice this afternoon. And. Um, she's still at a place where she likes being around her dad. And I hope it, it's always that way, but, um, yeah. I'm really grateful just that the Lord has given us, um, a, an oldest child who really loves him and loves her younger siblings. And she really reminds me so much of her mama. And I'm so thankful for that because, um, Natalie's just s- so full of the the spirit and, and honey really embodies that as well. So thankfully we're in a, we're in a sweet spot, although she is now officially a teenager.
1: Mm. That's encouraging to hear. Um, and, and you also mentioned that that you're head of school. And and so I'm thinking, okay, youth ministry is sometimes known for kind of chaos and craziness, and now head of school. Um, how has that transition been from you know youth worker to now head of school?
3: You know, it's a that's a podcast on its own as well. It's <laughs> been a long journey. You know, I as I mentioned earlier, I've worked with Young Life um for a while. I, I couldn't stand Young Life when I was in high school. I grew up in a really strong church. Um, Dr. Chapman, who wrote the five love languages with one of my pastors and had a great youth group, was president of FCA. But all the Young Life kids at our school, they were um, they were just like the potheads and the kids who were not really following Christ. And I didn't understand how this Christian club could have all these lost kids. And um, one day my youth pastor was preaching on Luke 15, um, the lost parables. And it just clicked for me like Jesus came to seek and save the lost and that's what these young life leaders are doing they're they're building relationships with kids who don't know him. And so through that um, I got involved with young life and have been working with young life in the public school system since I was 18 years old and i'm 44 now. And um, just fell in love with the ministry of young life and spent a lot of time in the public school system I, I grew up going to public schools. I thought that's what our kids would do. We bought our house here in Greensboro right by our local public elementary school. But I listened to this podcast um, that was about education. And the guy doing the podcast said there are a lot of decisions we make in life. Some of them are top tier decisions. Some of them are more middle tier. Some don't matter as much. You know, who cuts your hair? That's probably a middle tier decision. You know, it affects how you look, you know, but what you ate for lunch today, maybe a lower tier decision. He says, what you do for your job, where you, um, who you marry, and where you send your kids to school. He said, I would put those three in the very top tier as far as important decisions. He said, your kid is going to, you know, spend 1400 hours a year in a classroom. Who is influencing them during those 1400 hours matters a lot. And he's like, you know, if you're just sending your kid to the neighborhood school where you don't know who their teacher is going to be, you don't know who that person is. and I never thought about that before, and I'm not anti-public education at all. I just um, I just started thinking, like, that's really important, and then he said this. He said, um, if you do uh, this model that our school is, it's called a university model school. Some people call it a hybrid school or a collaborative school. It's kind of half home days, half homeschool, half traditional school. So if you do this model with your kids where they go to school Tuesday and Thursday in grammar school and are at home, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and if you do it where they go Monday, Tuesday, Thursday um, in middle and high school and are home Wednesday and Friday, then you get two and a half more years of time back with your kids. Hmm. And I started thinking about that and I was just so busy working so many nights in youth ministry and just going to other kids games and being involved in their lives and um, church stuff on Sunday nights and Wednesday nights and Young Life on Monday nights. And it was just I was like, when am I going to spend time and see my kids? I want to, I want to have more time with them. So out of that, we decided to like research what this collaborative hybrid university model looked like. And um, we ended up through a crazy series of events, along with two other families, starting the Covenant School um, in Greensboro. And it has been um, the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Harder than raising twins harder than any other challenge the Lord has brought my way. Wow. Um, has required so much faith and trust and it's just honestly kicked my tail. Um, but it's really made me get on my knees and depend upon the Lord in a way I have not before, but the Lord has grown the school. We have, I think like 140 families now that are involved in the school and f- more than 40 teachers, 250 students. And, um, the Lord's really blessing us. And, and as we continue to trust him in this, it's been a, it's been a crazy journey, but um, a year ago, our head of school said he just wanted to teach math and be a grandfather and kind of retire. And so we did a big search around the nation looking for a head of school. And after the end of the search, the board asked me if I would consider um, stepping out of my pastoral role and stepping into this. And so um, I talked with our senior pastor at our church, and said hey we still want to be involved with the church and i still want to serve here as a volunteer um, but i feel like this is what the lord's calling me to do and so on january of 2022 i started um as a head of school and i'm uh, i'm still in the role right now it's definitely <laughs> challenging every day um but i'm, I'm thankful i get a get to spend a more time with kids um than i ever have before i get to spend more time with teenagers than i ever have doing youth ministry both in young life or in the church context. I get to see them You know, three days a week. I get to lead our chapel times. Um, I get to be with them on the playground, beat them in basketball. Um, <laughs> I got to take them on a retreat last week. Um, we went, we did the summer retreat together. And I'm learning like what it looks like to not be the church um, as a school, cause we're not a youth group, we're not the church, but to really try to partner with the local churches. And we have 40 different local churches represented in our school. Um, but I've learned a lot this year, but I've got way more to learn. Um, but so far I would, I would say being ahead of school is, is I know I'm right in the middle of where God wants me to be. Um, but it's definitely the most challenging job I've ever had.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you're right. Look, we've got to have two more podcasts with you. One about your kids' names and now one about <laughs> being head of, head of school. Um, so much there, but so fascinating. Uh, I mean, just the two and a half year, um, idea of more time with your kids. Um, mm-hmm. that's, yeah, fascinating. Um, I do want to talk about your, your books, uh, as well. Um, okay. You, you referenced alongside, uh, that came out in 2018, um, that won, I think the Christian book award. Um, I know it, it um, well, it was an excellent book that, that many people have, have used and, uh, teens have used, um, but now you're adapting this. Uh, kind of concept to more of a devotional type book. Um, so, so maybe first, just begin with kind of the alongside book, um, and it is just alongside. Is that right?
3: Yeah, the first one's called Alongside Loving Teenagers, uh, Loving Teenagers with the Gospel, and it was written for parents of teenagers, parents of preteens, and for people in youth ministry, for youth pastors, for coaches, for teachers, for young life leaders, for anyone in youth ministry. And um, as I started writing it initially, I was trying to just figure out, do I write a book for parents or for people in youth ministry? And then I started realizing like these concepts that I've learned in 20 years of doing youth ministry really are applicable to any adult who is walking alongside teenagers. Um, but the concept is really the incarnation of Christ, you know, that, that God put on skin, moved in our neighborhood, and, and walked alongside us as humans. And um, it's an invitation for adults to do that same thing with teenagers and learning how to practically do that, especially when you have teenagers who are pushing you away and saying, I don't want you to walk alongside me. I wanna walk by myself. So how, how, do you, how do you do what Jesus did? So each chapter, there's 30 in the book, um, kind of walk through uh, a passage in the gospels that shows us how do we do this with teenagers, what Jesus did. With people two thousand years ago and what he still does with us today so that was the original book alongside loving teenagers with the gospel that's the one that won the award and then um just a couple of weeks ago the second one came out and i wrote this one for teenagers so the first one's for adults this one is called alongside jesus and the subtitles devotions for teenagers and it's the first in a series of devotions. Um, hopefully you're, you're going to be writing one in the series. Um, can I say that in this podcast? Is that okay? I don't know. We'll see. Okay. If I have to edit it out, I'll do it. <laughs> All right. All right. Sounds good. Um, but um, we are you know, hoping to have more in this series of devotions for teenagers because we've just found that that's kind of a gap right now in the in the publishing industry where there's not a lot of really quality rich, um, deep devotions for teenagers that, you know, take longer than three minutes. And so each of these actually takes more closer to 30 minutes to do um, each of these devotions. And it's a month long devotional. And so what we really want to do is have at least like 12 of these. So a kid could do one a month for a year and have a year's worth of devotions. I'm going to do the second one I'm going to do is called alongside the father. And the next one is called alongside the spirit. And, um, and we're going to just look at the Trinity, you know, in these in these three books. But this one really gives kids some practical application points um, to how do they actually walk alongside Jesus? What does this really look like? It in a similar format to the first book. It looks at gospel accounts of Jesus' life, and then it tells stories about my real teenage friends and me as a teenager, and other friends that I have and their teenage stories that are applicable to teenagers. And then it gives them um, things like a song that they can listen to um, that helps bring to life this concept that we've been talking about and and alongside practice that they can do. But what really makes these devotionals unique is that they're designed to be done with what I call an alongsider, Mm -hmm. an adult who's doing the devotion with you at the end of each week, there's uh, questions where you can look back on the week and ask questions related to what you've been experiencing as you've gone through these devotions. And um, and I only put put four days of devotions each week, plus that fifth day of conversation, it's called the weekend conversation. So it's really five days a week. Um, and I do that because I feel so guilty when I get behind and I just like get mad at myself and down on myself and feel like a failure and feel this weight on my shoulder. And I wanted kids to feel like, oh, I can do this. And if I, mess, if I miss a day, it's okay. And uh, and so you know when you do the math on that, there's really just 16 days in that devotional, and then there's five uh, four days of conversation. So it's 20 days in a month that um, we're asking kids to do, but it's doable. It's still like I think it's like a 120 page book because each day is longer. But what we're really trying to teach kids is to stop eating fast food gospel, um, but to really go deep, put themselves in a position where they can experience the the presence of Christ. And hear the voice of Jesus over the noise of the world. And, uh, and, you know, if you're just trying to get through a quick page and read a quick devotional, like we've just found like, that's not what Jesus did. And that, that hasn't worked for me. You know, it feels more like, you know, reading tweets, you know, it's like how, how influential is 140 characters going to be in your life? You know, we, we really have got to make a sacrifice of time and space in our life. If we want to hear from Jesus, my friend, Phil Anderson he, uh, he's written a lot of great books, but one of them is called running on empty. And in that, I think he talks about, um, getting a tan. I'm, I'm very, very pale. So I've never had a (laughs) tan. I don't know what that's like, but, um, but he says, you know, getting to experience the presence of God is a lot like getting a tan. You put yourself in a position where the sun can do the work. Mm -hmm. And really like, that's the invitation of this book is we want kids to put themselves in a position where they can experience the presence of Christ. That's actually already there. You know, Christ is present with us. It's just trying to help them become aware of his presence with them.
1: Hmm. Uh, That's so good. And and you've already kind of highlighted the the structure. I, I just, as I saw it, as I've been able to look at kind of an early copy of it, the it's such a unique devotional. Uh, I mean, like you said, I mean, it really is unlike uh, most devotionals out there that are written for students. Um, you said, yeah, it's a little bit longer and it's going to kind of stretch students a little bit, but there's so many unique aspects about it that that I love. I mean, you talking about just kind of the, you know, it's, it's basically for a week and you've got some grace days in there. Um, and, and I just love that too, because you know, you do, think about the pace of our students and all that they have on their schedules and to have kind of some of those free days in there um, where they can work around that I mean that that's so helpful that's so unique um, then the aspect of the song and then the alongsider um, I, I'd love for you just to talk a little bit more about the song that at the end of you know each devotional you, you recommend a song why did you do that What what are your thoughts behind
3: that Yeah, that was really, um, that was really hard to try to find like a diversity of music, you know, because not all kids are going to like the same kind of music. And, you know, not all the songs are, you know, songs that are, would be quote Christian songs. um, But they're all songs, I think, that make us, that point to Christ that I recommended. But music's been such a big part of my story. And it's a big part of almost all of my teenage friends' lives. Every teenager I know, you know, with the exception of a few, really loves music, and they all like different kinds of music. But the Lord opens our hearts through music. Uh, you know, often when we get to our age or or older, he He opens our heart through pain. Mm-hmm. But as a kid, I think the Lord opens kids' hearts through laughter, through music, through stories. And, uh, and so I tried to pick some songs that would help open their heart to experience Christ in a way that um, they might, uh, they might not otherwise, you know, I, I mean, I often see my teenage friends post pictures of themselves at concerts. I saw on social media just yesterday, a couple of my friends had driven four hours to go see this guy I'd never heard of in concert. And um, and they post all these pictures, but they go, I think, because they're inspired by the song. There's something magical that happens in music. And, and I don't think it's it's an accident. You know, so much of scripture are songs that were written in prayer. And I I think we want to teach kids that um, Jesus speaks to us through all kinds of music. It doesn't have to be music that is played on a Christian radio station, Um, but he really does speak through music. He created music, just like he created taste buds. He created sound and he and it is a beautiful way that we can engage with the God of music.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, very helpful. And again, just another unique aspect about um, this devotional. The other thing you mentioned is the alongsider. Um, just talk a little bit more about that as well. Again, just a unique aspect to encourage, you know, anyone going through this to pick someone in their life to walk alongside them.
3: You know, I think kids feel alone a whole lot. You know, they, they long to belong and they long to know like that people like them and, um, want to be around them. You know, it's why kids start dating because they're asking like, does somebody like me? Does somebody want to spend time with me? And often they think like it needs to be a boyfriend or a girlfriend or it needs to be a group of friends. But ultimately, you know, we have an invitation as adults, whether it's as a parent or as a youth pastor or as a friend or an aunt or an uncle to, to walk alongside kids as they ask these deep questions of life. And you you find me a kid who um, who has an adult who cares about them, that comes up to them and says, hey, I'd love to spend time with you once a week over these four weeks, um, just getting to know Jesus better, getting to know each other better. Let's meet once a week, go grab some breakfast together on a Saturday, take a walk together and talk and talk about this book. You find one kid who will say, no, I don't want to do that with you. They might say that to their parents, you know, if they're an older teenager, who's kind of like in this place of fighting for independence, but most kids really long to be pursued just like you and I long to be pursued. And so it's kind of an excuse um, for us to to have um, a pursuit of kids and to say, hey, I just bought these two books. I'm gonna read one, I'd love to read one, you'd read one with me. But like right now, my wife on um, school mornings at home, I'm here at work, but on those home days, she's going through the Alongside Jesus devotional with all of our kids. Um, obviously our one-year-old twins are not really listening, but our <laughs> eight-year-old second grade daughter, and our fourth grade son and our 13 year old daughter are doing it together. And they're doing these alongside practices together. And uh, and Natalie said it's going well. She said the first day was long and it was hard, but the kids have really um, bought into it and they're taking turns reading. And so I I think it's something that could be used in all kinds of contexts, whether you lead a a weekly Bible study with your church and you want like all the kids to do this and then this just the Bible study time to be a time where you actually look back on what you've read. I think it could be uh, used in the context of a parent doing it with a kid or a youth pastor doing it with a group of kids. There's a lot of opportunities there. And I think it works with preteens too. I mean, some of the content that you would just edit out. Um, yeah, I've written some some posts that I've seen my friends post on social media. And some of them are pretty honest, but I've edited them enough to where they're, they're PG. But I think if you did it with an eight-year-old, you might leave out some of them. Yeah, I remember one of them says, you know, like, why cancer tell me why you know that might be a heavy thing to talk about with an eight-year-old um Mm -hmm. unless you're going through cancer yourself but um but I think for the most part it could be used with preteens as well as teenagers
1: Mm -hmm. yeah and I mean as you're saying that I mean just a lot of different ways in which you can use this. I, I totally thought about, I mean, you could use this as a small group study uh, with, you know, you, you could get a group of students and uh, go through it together, even though it's, you know, designed to be a devotional that anyone can read on their own. I think it could be kind of taught through in a small group settings. I think it's, yeah, so helpful. Um, and something you, you put in your chapters as well is uh, something you call wonderings. And you, you really try to get students to, you know, Smell the text to feel mm-hmm. the text. So just talk a little bit about that.
3: You know, we use our imagination all the time. You know, like when you're a teenager, you imagine the girl that you're going to take to the prom. You know, you imagine hitting that last second shot to win the game. You imagine what kind of car you're going to drive when you turn 16. You imagine maybe what your wedding might look like one day, what your house might look like. We have strong imaginations when we're teenagers. Um, you know, when we're adults too, but it's not just when we're children. And so what I'm trying to help kids do is to imagine what it would have been like to actually be the person who was healed by Jesus, to be the person who was touched by Jesus, to be the person who Jesus listened to their whole story, to put yourself in those surroundings and picture what did it smell like? What did it feel like? What did that person experience? Because when we start to put ourselves in that position, we realize that this isn't just some make-believe thing. Like this was Jesus actually interacting with a real person who had a lot of the same feelings that I feel and that Jesus himself felt a lot of what I feel and he can identify with me. And so if we can allow our imagination to work, if we can wonder um, and not be um, squashed by all the urgent needs that are screaming at us and the notifications on our phone, if we can pause enough to wonder and imagine, like Jesus actually will enter into our hearts and our minds through that imagination in uh in a way that is um is something we don't often experience in our intellectualized pursuit of knowing more about God. This is an invitation to actually know and experience God Himself.
1: Yeah, no, that's that's good. Um, I know we're about to have to draw this to a close, uh, but I'm just curious after you've written, okay, the first alongside book we've talked about, and now this alongside devotional series, you're spending a lot of time, you know, in in the text, uh, writing, thinking about Jesus. What have you learned about Jesus through this whole process, even maybe early notions of, wow, I kind of had this wrong about Jesus now that I've been spending time kind of writing this material?
3: This, uh this past Sunday our pastor preached on Jonah um and I uh, I know Jesus you know is not directly in that story but as as you and I know he he is in the, in the story um but you know and there's so many parallels to Christ you know just with the three days in the belly of the fish and the three days in the tomb and um you know it, it all points to Jesus but um in the, you know in the story of Jonah you gotta ask Jonah to go to this place that feels really hard to go to. It's almost like asking Ukrainians to go to Moscow right now, you know. It and but Jonah was was sent to Nineveh, and um, what I'm encountering with Christ right now and with this job is that Christ is asking me to do things that are harder than I can do on my own, that are um, that are easy to give up on and to throw in the towel and just to say like, I can't do this. Um, But the beauty of walking with Christ is that. He says you're right you can't but I will carry your burden and you know my yoke is easy my burden is light and I'm going to walk alongside you and I'm going to carry this burden and I want us to go somewhere that's actually going to be good for you it's going to it's it's going to mean going through death in order to get to resurrection it's going to mean going through the cross in order to experience newness of life but new life is actually even better than your old life and that's what Christ wants to offer us. And so it's an invitation to die. Um, you know, one of my mentors told me when I was trying to decide if I should take this job or not, he said, you should you should ask the Lord, like, Lord, is this job going to be hard enough to make me depend upon you? He said specifically, he said, pick a job that's going to crush you, um, but don't pick one that's going to crush your family. He said, if that starts to happen, draw the line, but but pick one that crushes you, that re- makes you rely on the Lord, makes you experience death, so you can experience resurrection. And I, I'm still in this place of trying to figure out um, what that looks like. And um, for me, it's really a lot of daily death and daily resurrection. But that's the invitation of the Christian life is learning to die and rise with Jesus. And that's what my hope is for anyone who reads these books is that they will experience that invitation to a new life uh, the the true life that we were designed to live with our creator walking right alongside of him.
1: Hmm. Well, Drew, um, again, just reminding our our listeners, the the book is Alongside Devotionals for Teenagers. Um, You can check that out. It's available now. It's through New Growth Press, but you can go to Amazon, get those. Um, Thank you so much for your work and putting this together.
3: Thank you so much, John, for having me. I hope it's a blessing. And if anyone has any questions, my website's alongsideresources.com. And you can reach out to me at alongsidedrew at gmail.com as well.
1: All right. Well, Drew, thanks again for taking the time to
0: come on today.
3: Thank you, brother. Oh, come and buy
0: without money. Oh, come and feast without money.